right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. It's the Two Guys Ride Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And Kevin fired up. We have the man, the myth, the legend, Ron Ross from ATL Fuel Cells. Now, a lot of people are thinking fuel cells. Fuel cells? What are you talking about? Fuel cells? Come on, you got to get to the race first. But there's so many intricate components that we may think of a fuel cell like aluminum or, you know, just, I don't know, steel or aluminum tank. You're not thinking the fuel cell bladder, the foam baffling, the, you know, all the other components that go into a fuel cell to make it safe for us knuckleheads out there on the tracks. Well, and then there's the fuel cell vehicle, right? Like this magical, mysterious thing that's always, you know, 10, 15 years in the future, you know, it somehow turns, you know, fuel into electricity and battery operated and all kinds of stuff. That's not what we're talking about. We are hot rodding. We are right, right, racing. Right. <laughs> we're talking about the thing that replaces a fuel tank with a whole lot of advantages, right? And as Willie started to yeah. allude, right? I mean, think of it. It's a fuel tank. You're like, okay, boring. But man, when you are out there with your life yeah. on the line, right? And you're talking about safety. There is no better thing that you want to upgrade than a squashable, breakable, splittable, you know, factory type fuel tank with something that, you know, can can uh, you know sit in your vehicle, your race car, whatever, your hot rod uh, that's got, like you said, a bladder inside that, you know, if you get in some kind of a rack or, or any kind of, you know, skirmish, you know, you hit a wall or whatever. Uh, and this thing crumples up, you don't want fuel going everywhere and potentially igniting this thing up and having some really bad days, right? Yeah, man. And back when I first started getting into fuel cells, you know, it's just, well, back in the day, I didn't know how to TIG. And I'll get my friends, hey, man, work me up in an aluminum fuel cell for the old, you know, street slash strip car. And that's all it would be. You might get a little of the, you know, the foam baffling inside, you know, the stuff that looks like a sponge inside the fuel cell. Um, and you know, it's funny, you, you, even if you got that, you would puncture it and check your levels, a few things like that. But you, you really think with the fuel cell, there's a lot of ways that this makes you so much safer. You know, you kind of start with the, the, the enclosure, then several steps that a lot of companies, you know, especially, you know, ATL, you look at and you just see from the moment you're looking not just on the inside of the fuel cell, but the outside of the fuel cell and you're going, well, that's a different fuel cell than what I've seen or that I'm used to. It just, it looks aesthetically so much more just hardcore. It's, you know, it kind of reaches up and punches you in the face a little bit as opposed to just a box or a rectangular, you know? Well, it's a legit piece of race hardware. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So the bladder itself, right? It's this uh, mostly impervious 
type, uh, you know, containment system. So yeah, when the car gets squashed up and the tank gets squashed up, I mean, you can imagine an aluminum box. Uh, you can just, you know, push one corner of it and it'll split and fuel could come out. But, you know, it's got, you know, check balls for, you know, if you roll over so the fuel's not dumping out any kind of a vent. Uh, but, you know, it's also got other bits to it besides just the safety factor. Uh, you know, the construction and how it goes together. Yeah. There's a lot of things to consider for, for weight, but it's also about uh, controlling the fuel. I mean, I know in my little M3, my BMW M3, it's got an LS swap in it. Um, you know, it's got a saddle tank, so it's got two smaller tanks. Yep. One sits a little higher, so it's kind of always feeding in. And I looked at that thing, and I'm like, well, it's got a nice lower tank. It's, you know, uh, it's, it's already got some good slosh capability to it. It's got a dog bowl, you know, welded to the bottom from the factory. It's got a couple of holes that let the fuel in, but it won't let the fuel slosh around. But damn, if I don't have an eighth of a tank and I go hit some hard corners with some sticky tires and, uh, you know, I'm sucking air. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. So <laughs> there's a lot of technology that goes into, you know, anti-surge and anti-slosh so that, uh, you know, especially in a race scenario where every drop of fuel counts, fuel stops count, you know, you're picking up every little bit of fuel and you're not zipping around a track going, oh, <laughs> you know like right right so you're gonna you're gonna win that race with every drop and and how it's contained so there's a lot of cool design features that can go into a really cool fuel cell well, not to mention just the the material that it's made out of itself it's got to be flexible to kind of you know bend and deform on an impact but also strong enough not to tear or leak the fuel so there's a, a you know obviously a give and take there on, on yeah. what resource you're using for that and the thickness and certain racing companies and, and people have different rules but for the most part it's it's you know it's that you got a fuel cell check you're good to go they don't really put a lot of effort into in the checking the safety of it whereas some companies do and that's the reason we're talking to ron so let's take a break man we'll get back at it with ron ross atl fuel cells he's kevin bird i am willie b and this is the two guys garage podcast It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And we have Ron Ross from ATL Fuel Cells. It's Aerotech Laboratories. And man, when you see these fuel cells, it's just such a game changer. It's just the next level in the fuel cell industry. You're just like, oh, oh, it's that. Yeah. It's that. And these guys, <laughs> you know? they don't play around. I mean. Well, they do. That's what makes them so good. They do play around. Yeah, they? you're just thinking gas tanks. You're just thinking, you know, traditional fuel cells. But these guys are into everything i mean i think their their tagline is flexible containment technology so i mean they're in marine they're in aerospace uh i mean i don't know you look on their website and the the many different types of materials and things that they're building with the stuff that they're doing with is it's pretty incredible ron thanks for being on the show man this is going to be uh this is going to be a lot of fun i think a learning experience for a lot of people who haven't been you know racing in first hand with fuel cells and understand you know, what it can do for them, whether they are racing or whether they're hot riding. That's great. Thanks for having me. I think you hit a good point there. Uh, even the racer that's very hands-on normally doesn't have a lot of knowledge of what's going on inside a safety fuel cell. Now you have, uh, we talked about bladders, you know, leading into this and you guys have multiple different types of materials. I mean, probably more than just one hand. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and you think of it typically, I don't know, maybe like a rubber bladder, you know, it's flexible, it's pliable, it's pretty tough. But 
walk us through some of the different materials for the bladders and, and why so many different choices. And then, you know, how does somebody start to pick what type of uh, containment system for themselves? That's probably the biggest question we get every time the phone rings from a new purchaser of a fuel cell is the bladder. And the bladder is what the FIA or SFI safety rating goes with. It's not the container. It is the deformable or flexible bladder on the inside. And those materials can range from a, a hard rubber mold that's fairly thick and has a little weight, very fuel resistant to everything from gas to E85, uh, up to 100% methanol. Or we have many different types of flexible bladders, fabric bladders that are good for gasoline up to E20. We have another type of fabric that is all fuel compatible, another type that is extremely lightweight and thin, and just a multitude of choices. So we're sure we can cover all the different types of motorsports. You guys do custom bladders as well? Absolutely. We, we do custom bladders all week long, pretty much a couple on uh, every day. It's as simple as sending a drawing into us, and it does not have to be CAD. This could be a really good hand drawing with the shape of the containment that you have or area you have to work with in the car, some notes on where you would like the fill or the outlet and event and what you need internally, and we'd be happy to build it. And what about bladders being, I know you said all kinds of, of you know uh, fuels. What about ethanol and methanol additives or, or those type compounds? Or you have something specific for that? Yes, and that's nice. good because as we all know, uh, ethanol has become big and E85 has grown, especially in the, the drifting and a lot of the different motorsports like that. And we do have certain bladders that are compatible with E85 or E100 for that matter, and other ones that are only good up to E20 where you wouldn't need yeah. to go the extra cost of an E85, say, compatible bladder if you were only running a racing fuel. So you've got you know, all these different combinations of bladders for the types of fuel. And that's probably one of the biggest ones to start with. So you've got to have, you know, the ability of fuel resistance, uh, you know, especially like the alcohols, like you said. Uh, and then they have different strengths, different flexibilities, different thicknesses and mass to them. So you got a, a huge selection. And I assume, you know, nice differences in price points. So you can kind of go in on an entry level and work your way up to essentially like a Formula One because you guys are Kind of the one supplier for Formula One cars, right? Yeah, we happen to be. You know, one supplier for Formula One. There's probably not a type of motorsport out there that we are not involved in and don't have safety fuel cells in. Uh, it's not just bladder. It's the entire fuel cell that goes along with it. It's just one more of the safety components that are built into the car. So if you're going to start a, a Formula One team, you call Ron right here. <laughs> and then everything in between. <laughs> You'd call ATL, that's for sure. That's what I was going to say, man. When you look at any serious race car, whatever its application, purpose, built, design is for, you're going to find these tanks. A lot of people, I think, may be familiar with, you know, um, Jazz or in, uh, what's the other, RCI, whatever it is. Like, to explain the difference on your tank compared to something like that, which, in, in my opinion, is way sub- subpar uh, from what what you're doing and the reason you're doing it for. Oh, absolutely. And the main difference is that internal bladder. So a fuel cell pretty much has four main components. We have an outer casing, container, can, whatever terminology you'd like to use. That can be steel, that sure. can be aluminum. You have the flexible inner bladder that is deformable in the event of a crash. You have the safety foam baffling that is inside. 
and we have the fill plate on top. And the main difference is a safety rated fuel cell is a crash resistant fuel cell. We know that the can is going to deform on a heavy impact. We know that the bladder will be pushed into whatever shape the container gets mashed into or crushed into at that right. point. And we just need it to take that shape to deform into that without having any leaks. Because as we all know, that's when you're trapped in the car 30 seconds waiting for the safety crew to come or however long, that's fine if you're just sitting there. But if there is a fire, that's a long 30 seconds. Yeah, I put a 70 dies charger into wall at 130. I hit it so hard on the passenger side, it buckled the front fender and the rear quarter on the driver's side. It tore the fuel cell and back. No fire, uh, but, you know, all the sirens come up and they're prying me out of the car and they're like, you know, we got fuel, we got fuel, it's leaking. Uh, you know, it's a very scary moment. And knowing that you have that extra safety back there and that extra layer of protection provides a lot of us racers that aren't afraid to hang it out just a little more like bravado a little more like layer of comfort when we strap in that car and buckling our five points and going okay let's hang it out you know it's, it's nice having that that security back there. absolutely and, and as i mentioned it it is only one thing you have the roll cage you have your safety harness you have your gear that you wear and that is all as important too so we just focus on the flexible bladder technology and we know race cars are going to have incidents. Anybody that's into racing, whether you're a NASCAR fan or a dirt fan or an off-road fan, you're going to see it, and, and we need to help with that. The harness and the roll cage and everything else isn't going to do you a whole lot of good when you're on fire. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, I think that's kind of the, the key piece of equipment there. And, you know, when, you, when you're carrying around 20, 30 gallons or more of fuel, uh, that could be a lot of fire there. Well, Kevin, hold on, hold on, especially alcohol, because what a lot of people don't realize – uh, having an alcohol car is when you have a fire with alcohol, you can't see it. It's not visible to the naked eye. So when there's a gas fire, you, it's it's very evident. You see it. But when it's alcohol, man, you have no idea until, until you start feel, feeling all that heat. So knowing that you have something back there protecting you like that, oh, man, provides all the comfort in the world, especially, you know, for guys like me running running the alcohol stuff. Oh, Absolutely. And, and you mentioned the foam that's inside. So typically in, in a cell, it'll be filled, you know, to top to bottom with, uh, you know, an open cell looking foam. You know, think of a maybe a sponge. It's very, very Big porous. Sponge. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you think about it as just controlling a lot of the slosh. So when you're taking turns, you're accelerating, decelerating or whatever. But there's also a safety element to that, too, isn't there, Ron? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there is. And we really have three different types of foam. Uh, much like the bladders, there's different uses. We have one foam for gasoline up to E85. We have another foam that is for methanol only that we wouldn't use with gasoline. And then, of course, we have what we call a large pour foam. And that would be uh, like when you see a NASCAR pit stop, you have a very fast refueling situation. You need to get fuel in it quickly. We would use it there. But the foam, yeah, it can be used to slow down the release of fuel should something get so bad that a, a bladder does have an issue. And it also can have a safety factor as far as uh, dispersing a static charge, which you can get with a quick refueling situation. Mm. Wow, there you go. A lot of people don't realize that for sure. Uh, you know, what was that movie? What was the Kevin Costner movie? Use the sponge. It exfoliates. Use the sponge. So I'm trying to think of that movie now. When people, you know, think about that big sponge thing that we're calling it, that's – 
a lot of questions I always oftentimes get is how often they need to replace that, or do they ever need to replace it? But that is a great question, and yes, you certainly do. Uh, most of the time we see it last at least a couple of years. Five years is not uncommon, but semi-annually, you should certainly remove the foam and inspect it because once it starts to come apart, you certainly don't want that disrupting the fuel system or going through the fuel system. Okay. No, that's good, good tip. Enough, good Easy to forget about too because out of sight, out of mind, right? Correct. That's for sure. You just pour fuel in it and normally nobody takes the top off and inspects anything until there's an issue and they have a reason to inspect it. Yeah. Well, anybody ever pulled their, you know, their fuel filter apart, start seeing all these chunks, right? You know, you waited just a little too long. <laughs> That's right. It yep. cost you that race. Yeah, no bad. doubt. No doubt. Now, you know, we mentioned top of the, the show, right? Another benefit and this is something that you guys really pay attention to is controlling the fuel where it goes. Uh, and, and again, that could be a huge aspect to any performance driving, let alone, you know, competitive racing where every drop counts, right? Fuel stops or, you know, maybe you're limited on the amount of fuel that you can carry or you don't want to carry any extra because it's extra weight and things like that. So walk us through some of the options. And I know you've got various versions of, uh, you know, little tanks, uh, trap doors, et cetera. Uh, what are the different ways that people can really, you know, maintain the fuel right there at the pickup point to make sure you're you're you know yeah, sucking it up with course, the first off they need to know exactly what type of racing they're doing it because there is a large difference between the internal uh, fuel control on a circle track car versus a road course car that will be making right and left hand turns so on a circle track car where we know the fuel is always going to go to the right rear uh, the most common thing for us to do is to put a surge tank there, which if you could picture a small little box built around that right rear fuel pickup area with a couple of one-way trap doors, so that whether you're accelerating or making that left, the fuel can get into that area, but it then cannot get out. Whereas a road course car, we would want to take that kind of uh, fuel control and move it toward the center of the cell against the rear of the cell, but we would want to center it and make it a three trap door or the surge tank on each side, the trap door on each side of the surge tank, and one in front. And then these surge tanks can have either a standard pickup in them that your pump can pull from, or we can certainly do them with internal pumps, be it lift pumps, high pressure, or anything else you desire. Are there any other tricks that you guys do, um, like as far as the pickup? Uh, you know, I have seen systems, you know, let's say your tank's not designed so well and you got lots of places fuel can go. So maybe a little secondary, either, you know, mini pump to pump fuel into this surge tank, or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you got a duck foot or something like that, or, you know, what are all the little tricks that, uh, really kind of pull these things together, depending on what your application and, and needs are. Oh, there's definitely plenty of tricks. And a lot of it comes down to the shape of the fuel cell and bladder itself. Um, as an example, I do a lot of work with a lot of different Porsche teams and road course teams, and those are very unique shaped fuel cells. And the fuel can hide in a lot of different spots in that cell. It's not a rectangle. So we may put uh, four different lift pumps, very low, four PSI, very low pressure lift pumps in those areas, and then we'll be pumping all that fuel to a main pickup area, and then we'll be pumping from that main pickup area up out of the fuel cell itself. So it can get a little busy with internal plumbing and wiring in the fuel cell coming up through the top plate. 
because none of the fittings are on the bottom. We like to keep them up top for safety reasons. Yeah, so four different lift pumps scavenging all over that tank that fuel has got nowhere to hide. <laughs> oh, that that's right. I mean, when you see, you know, you watch some cup racing in NASCAR, when you see a driver shaking that car because it's low on fuel or running out of fuel, they tried to gamble with a lap or two to go. When I'm telling you that fuel is pretty much dry, it is empty. Hmm. Do, do you guys sell these setups with, with all the pumps and everything already incorporated into the actual fuel cell? Can, do you guys sell them that way? Yeah, we do offer a number of internal surge tanks with built-in fuel pumps, be it one pump or two pump, E85 or gasoline. Um, a lot of the stuff for if you're going to have the lift pumps like we talked about, uh, that's going to be a custom. That's going to come in as a drawing where somebody says, run a very specific track with right. one fuel cell every time we go there and, and here's what we need. Oh, awesome, man. Let's get some more details on that. But why don't we take a quick break and we come back, we can get more into the actual pump and and uh, different configurations that go in and on that. And, uh, we'll be right back with the Two Guys Garage podcast. Willie B and Kevin Bird. It's the Two Guys Garage podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And man, we got to give a little shout out to our boy, uh, Chris, who we nicknamed the Einstein of additives. Uh, there's something extraordinary about what Chris has done with Hot Shot Secret, their Diesel Extreme. Talk about getting rid of all that varnish, all the deposits in the injector. We all know how that happens. I mean, that is a nasty, extreme environment in there. Yeah, and you know, when we started to strip sulfur out of diesel fuel, right? We do it for the environment. We do it for good reasons. But the process now, you know, add some compounds in there that easily form these waxy and polymeric deposits inside the injector. So you got these smooth sliding little parts, and all of a sudden, a little buildup of funk in there. And now they're not working. Your injector is basically clogged up. And you can talk about thousands of dollars to replace those injectors. Or, you know, you put in a little hot shot secret, diesel extreme, put it in your tank. It's also got cleaners in there, uh, lubricity additives, fuel stabilizers, cetane boosters. So it's a power packed punch to clean those injectors out, keep them running, keep your bill down to zero, except for the little bottle that you got to throw yeah, in there. Man. So check them out. Hot Shot Secret, <laughs> Diesel Extreme, man. Pretty awesome stuff. So, Ron, you heard us talking a little bit about diesel fuel. Do you get a lot of requests for, you know, upgraded fuel cells, performance fuel cells for diesel applications? I imagine boating, right? Marine's big. But what about, I don't know, tractor pulls or anything? You know, it's not so much in tractor pulls. The occasional time we see it is the off-road vehicle. Um, it's every once in a while. It's not so often, but... As we discussed earlier, that is yet another different type of fuel. And of course, we have a bladder material that is good and compatible with diesel fuel. So we, we can accommodate it. What are you seeing the biggest surge in right now? Is You know, out of Colorado, it's really difficult nowadays to get E85. But man, so many of my cars have converted over and a lot of my friends have their cars converted over. That's a really nasty fuel to run, but... The, the benefits of it are big and numerous, and there's a big reason why a lot of people shift to it. Are you seeing a big increase in those type requests and those bladders? Oh, certainly. The ED5 has, the last five years at least, has really come forward. And the other yeah. unique thing that we're seeing a lot of is the horsepower level now is starting to come forward, whereas yeah. a Dash 6 or a Dash 8 line was plenty to feed. Most of the applications we were doing, we're starting to see a lot more people requesting eights or tens or even twelves on the feed <laughs> as the technologies move forward on power. Ooh, I know Willie's smiling. Thirsty. 
She's thirsty, yeah, bro. Man. She's thirsty. <laughs> well, we started we started talking about before the break, you know, the different kind of pump setups that you'd put in your surge tank or or otherwise. Um, so you guys have a certain number of offerings. Like, what kind of horsepower levels do you guys kind of have as an off the shelf? And then, you know, the aftermarket's going nuts with all these pumps trying to, you know, keep up with all the demands for a thousand, two thousand, three three thousand horsepower, uh, streetable cars. Uh, so how does that mix in? So if, you know, let's say I went to uh, Aeromotive and I saw one of their gear pumps and, you know, I got to support a thousand horsepower. What's the best way to, uh, is that something I, I manage on my end or is that something that you guys work with some of the fuel system suppliers? We certainly do it both ways. Uh, we offer a number of pumps that are good up through the 650, 750 horse range as a single pump. We offer a lot of those in dual setups. So you can start to get a lot more power out of it. And what we mostly see when you get into those big power applications, like you talked, the, the 2,000 horsepower, and we'll call it a streetcar if you want, is those are running <laughs> external fuel pumps. They usually have a large pump, a lot of times driven off the front of the engine in that case. And they're really concerned with how we can get a large volume of fuel out of the fuel cell to make sure we keep that big pump fed. Okay, so you might do a lift pump out of the fuel cell itself and then let it drive, you know, with the big external pump. Yes, that's very common. Yep, even that, or we could do a couple of pumps out to a uh, swirl pot. A lot of teams will run them, uh, maybe one liter, one and a half, two liter swirl pot, just an external, like almost mini tank, where an engine return, fuel from the engine return might be feeding that. We'll have multiple lift pumps feeding the swirl pot. And then that is sending fuel down to the main pump if it's a real large horsepower application. Wow. Like Willie's car. <laughs> yes, sir, <Yeah>. man. <laughs> so, you know, seeing what you guys are, are doing, what do you think, looking back, man, I'm not sure how long you've been doing this, but was it problems in this industry that led you down this path? Like, what was the moment where you said, I can make this so much better and be so much more creative in how we – we handle some of these fuel delivery issues. Um, yeah, I guess the, the original moment going back was uh, the owner, Peter Regna, that had a terrible accident and uh, was trapped in a car on fire uh, before there were fuel cells. And he, he was fortunate enough to have a couple engineering degrees and some people around him that he knew he could, he could get a company going. And he came up with this uh, whole ATL, this company, 50 wow. years ago. This is our 50th year. That was 1970. So... Wow. Uh, knock on wood, a very smart man and put this company in motion and, and hopefully it has saved an awful lot of people. Of course, I race too, so I run a fuel cell, so I'm all on board. Well, it's, it's probably safe to say that after 50 years, you guys probably figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yes. However, we do have a, a complete engineering department here in our New Jersey facility, and it is just a constant R&D. Uh, the chemical compounds of the fuels constantly change. We're always checking. There's new FIA regulations, and, and it is an ongoing deal. We can't, we can't sit still and not move forward. Well, when you talk about, you know, it's aeros. what you guys, you know, you have the plastic tanks and the rubber stuff, but when you look at your website, when you look at your gear, like I, I, I check you guys out at, you know, PRI and, and all those types of events, Right, I'm very familiar with what you guys do, but for the average person, when you kind of look through their website, like you're looking at, I, I assume that's it looks like Kevlar. You're you're looking at space age kind of materials and construction, and uh, it's pretty cool. When you think about F1, I mean, you know that's the the top of the game technology wise. Like, 
on the planet. If you're still on this planet, that's probably some of the highest technology out there and you guys are building for it. Uh, so seeing some of your construction and engineering and stuff, it's, it's pretty damn impressive. Oh, thanks. We do like to hear that. And, uh, you're right. There's everything from the, the cross-linked polyethylene-style bladders to reinforced nylon bladders to we use reinforced Kevlar in the bladders. And it really comes down to the speed that the car will be traveling. Uh, of course, we discussed the type of fuel and what that sanctioning body requires, which is the final story there. They, they have a specific requirement, and that is the fuel cell slash bladder that you will need to run in your car. Yeah, and if you think, you know, we talked about it a little bit, uh, if you think it's only for race cars, uh, look at a lot of, you know, older muscle cars. Their fuel tank's sitting right there in the back. It's not, you know, forward of the <laughs> axle, right? So if you think about getting in any kind of rear end collision, you know, maybe you back into a wall, right? You're smacking right into your fuel tank. You know, we just put one in my buddy's, uh, you know, 67 Mustang a little while ago because, you know, he's got a hot rod. He, he might do a couple track days in it, but... He's going to put his kids in the car. He's going to go cruising and whatnot. And it's real easy to pop out the fuel tank, drop in a fuel cell, and instant safety, right, for, for him, for his family, for whatever he's going to do with it. I got, hey, I got, I got one better, not even backing up in anything. How about just, so I've got a 67 Barracuda on E85, right? I like to tow it down and do some street racing down in Pueblo. It's a couple hours from here. So I'll put it on an open bed trailer. And drop it when I get down to the racetrack, and we'll do a you know a fifty mile cruise, and we'll make three passes back to back to back. So I've trailed this car a few times in and around the state of Colorado. Well, believe it or not, where I'd swing the the little ratchet strap with the axle loop built into it around when I would ratchet it down as the car would bounce on the trailer, it had actually dented where the little lock ring is in the gas tank uh -huh. and tore it. So, so you couldn't, I couldn't get a, a resealable, I had to order a whole new gas tank for it just because I put it on a trailer, which is more proof never trailer your cars, drive them sons of bitches. But yeah, man, I, I had to get a new fuel tank because it, the way the ratchet was buckled into the car and uh, the way it would move when the car would, you know, hit bumps in the road. So it's you're not even thinking, but you're right. Those muscle cars, they're all on the back of the car. They're always exposed. You know, one good shot and it's, and it's dripping fuel. Yeah, I mean, there's certain older cars that you think of, like the Pinto, you know, where they had like, you know, very noticeable media, you know, attention on, you know, the, the fuel tanks and the safeties and whatnot. And, you know, that was 50, 60 years ago. So the designs and things weren't quite the same as they are today. So to be able to take any older car, uh, even if you're not going to be a race car driver, you know, just knowing uh, that, uh, you know, you put some real seatbelts in it. You know, maybe you put a headrest in it, depending on, you know, the style, if you got just the low rider seats. Um, but yeah, a fuel cell versus an old, you know, stamped fuel tank sitting right in yeah. the back, ready to take a little lick. Uh, anytime the guy behind you is texting and not paying attention, uh, it's a great upgrade. And when you think about, you know, a lot of times we're doing restorations, you're upgrading the engine, you're making more power, you're upgrading your fuel system anyway. So if you can do a, a drop-in setup, it's already got an in-tank pump in it right it's going to be quieter it's going to last longer you know you're not going to have any kind of cavitation issues when you put the pump in the tank itself uh so to be able to just drop in and i know like you know for the mustangs typically there's one you can just drop right in there's no real special order um so they just make it easy 
They make it easy to be uh, yeah. upgrading and be safe at the same time. It's really cool. Yeah, this, we, we do see a number of hot rod calls. We, uh, everything from, you know, the 55 to 57 Chevy that people are trying to do to uh, Porsche 356 and all kinds of different hot rods. Plenty of Corvettes, that's for sure. Because for the exact reason you say, it's not just driving the kids around. It may only be you, but there's so many track days available now to just the average hot rodder and street rodder where they can go out and have a little fun on the track. That peace of mind that Willie mentioned, boy, as a driver, peace of mind is really important. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. It allows you to hang it out a little bit harder. <laughs> You're not thinking about it. Going, you know, going around chicanes and turns at a buck 35 sliding. Right. Right. <laughs> You're like, I got it. I got it. <laughs> well, look, man, I promise you this. My mama would turn over in her grade right now if she knew I had a 35-minute conversation about bladders. So I just want to tell you, Ron, thank you. Thank you very much, man. I hope everybody learned something today because you answered a lot of questions. Obviously, you guys have been doing this such a long time. You know the best reasons and purposes why. So I appreciate you sharing a little bit of that knowledge. Where do people find out more? Um, I just jumped on your website when Bird mentioned it. Dude, it's everything you could ever imagine is there. Every design, every application, tech questions, product line questions. Uh, you guys have it all covered. Oh, yeah. That, we spent a lot of time on that website. And they want to go to atlinkinc.com and look around. Uh, feel free to call. Ask for Ron in sales if you want to talk to me. All of us are very knowledgeable here. Yeah, ask for Ron. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've got a 65 Fastback, you know, hot rod build, 1,000 horsepower car coming in uh yeah, once I get the you know the chassis all worked out and where things are gonna go, uh, for sure that thing's getting a fuel cell. I mean, I'll be calling these guys up because um, you know that's just a bomb sitting in the back there, right in front of the rear bumper, and those bumpers aren't you know much of anything. So um, whatever you got, man, this is the way to go for sure. I'll certainly be happy to help you out. I'm I'm thinking about it. So do you know what a uh, where the spare tire is on a first gen Charger Bird? You know where where yeah. the spare tire sits. Underneath that big old long sweeping, you know, tail end. So I was thinking about making my fuel tank out of that spare tire tank. Custom bladder for sure, but like you, I might be calling Ron for something like that. That's well, they, I think they have those. Yeah, don't you guys have spare tire bladders or tanks? Or <laughs> yeah, we actually have a, a series of well cells that we call them, and they're made to go in the spare tire area of a vehicle. They're round with a flat side, and we have them in three different capacities made to drop right in that area so that you don't have too much fabrication to do to be up and running. See, Aerotech Laboratories is atlinc.com. Order up. <laughs> See Ron. Uh, all right. Hey, Ron, thanks a ton, man. And if you guys want to go check him out, where do they, uh, where do they find you on Facebook, boss? Oh, you can definitely catch our Facebook page there too at ATL. And uh, we constantly put up new items on there. So if they want to see customs or what's going on, on a nearly daily basis, there will be pictures and information loaded up on that Facebook page to follow. Oh, I bet a lot of good ideas on there. I'm going to have to check that out too, especially if you're doing anything kind of whiz-bangy custom, you know, kind of something new and neat. Uh, I'm sure you guys have all kinds of, you know, customer demands out there for just pushing it, you know, different configurations. So I'm going to get on there and see what you guys got. Yeah, yeah. once you stop thinking about it just being a rectangle or a square and you really open up, and look at some of the designs we have and realize what's possible. It, it's the way to go. If you can fit air somewhere, you can shape it to fit fuel, right? Exactly. <laughs> and you can, if you, if you do it right in your serious racer, you can shape it so that as the fuel level drops, 
the center of gravity, you get it to go where you want it, and it will actually help the car. Yeah. Ooh, Ron is dirty, y'all. Ron's uh-huh. dirty, dirty South style. Ron, <laughs> we thank you, man. Hey, don't forget about our show, guys. Two Guys Garage airs weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand, which is a great way to find us. Thanks to our guest, Ron Ross with ATL Fuel Cells. ATLinc.com is where you find them online. Um, I'm Kevin Bird, our producer, Scoop, and our executive producer is Bob Ecker. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com, and share your thoughts with us on social. We're everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. The Two Guys Garage podcast is a copyright 2020 Britain Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. Awesome pasta, man. There you go. See, everybody and everything you could want to know and understand about fuel cells. Boom. It's like a course today. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, man. Cool. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. We had a great time, and we will catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.